Ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Petito. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. And in time, this too shall pass. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. Jerry Petito taught the class. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. Loves the answer, the greener grass. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. One day at a time, free at last. When you don't know just what to do. Just what to do, just what to do. If what you're feeling is really true. It's really true. Really true. Just keep your ideas safe and sound. Safe and sound, safe and sound. That's exactly how change is found. Change is found, change is found. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. And in time, this too shall pass. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. Jerry Petito taught the class. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. Loves the answer, the greener grass. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. One day at a time, free at last. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jerry Petito Show on Remember Then Radio. So I want to introduce, first and foremost, my guest co-host, Justin Drummond. Say hello to everyone. Hello, hello, everyone. How's everyone doing today? And more importantly, how are you doing, Jerry? I'm doing good. Um, We had a little tech issue here this morning, so... We had a huge storm here again yesterday, so guys, uh, fingers crossed that we don't have we don't lose connection. So, having said that, Justin, we have a really cool, incredible guest. Um, I want to thank you for introducing him to me. So, why don't you do the introduction? Yes, we do. All right. So, um, so I get this gut instinct sometimes to actually, you know things and uh, I was really lucky and fortunate enough to found to find this guy uh, on my Instagram feed and uh, I started reading a little bit of his bio and I gotta say I'm really impressed uh, he has uh, a lot of his songs featured in uh, a lot of films uh, the main one being August Rush and uh, yeah but that's not uh, pretty much all about him and we're gonna learn a little bit more about him Chris Trapper how you doing well, hello, Justin. Hi, Jerry. Hi. Uh, great to talk to you both. And uh, I'm doing very well. It's been it's been cloudy here in Boston for the past two weeks straight. So uh, can't complain about that. It feels like like summer, kind of. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like not actual summer, but kind of summer. So I get it. <laughs> yeah, it's been the summer up here too. So. So. Yeah. Wow, this is so cool. Um. So, okay, I have to ask you, before we play one of your songs, before you tell us whatever it is you want to tell us, and before Justin has his questions, because this I have to ask you personally, okay? Sure. What was it like? Did you get to meet Robin Williams? You know what? I didn't. I I did, actually. So, so August Rush came out in maybe 2009. It was one of Robin Williams' last movies, Mm -hmm. Uh, and so... One of them, I think he may have done a, a couple other afterwards, but but so when I when I got that that gig, they basically, they basically sent me the the script, and when I knew that his name was attached to it, I got really excited because you know, obviously like everyone, I was a huge fan of, yeah. of his, but uh, but I did get, get get to shoot a scene for the movie with with the other star, Jonathan Rhys Meyers. And eventually uh, that, that scene got cut, so it never made it into the film. But but I didn't meet Robin Williams, even though I played a lot of the opening parties 
movie, so I got to, to meet most of the cast, but, but not him. Maybe he, he moved on to something else. But, but his, his performance in, in August Rush is different because he plays a villain. Yeah. And he plays, and he plays a real kind of, kind of exploitative guy. And uh, but he does it well. He was so versatile and just, just an amazing guy. So, so I wish I met him, but, but that never happened. But at least you did the, I mean, think about, you you know, you did the soundtrack, though. Well, I did one song. Which yeah. Is best being, is it, is that song, is my song the best-selling song off, off that soundtrack? And the soundtrack did very well. But, but I didn't sing the song in the film itself. The, the actor sings it, Jonathan Reese Myers, but, but he does a very beautiful job singing it. And uh, so... His version of the song had sold about 500,000 copies and it's certified gold. You know, my version is certified uh, certified tinfoil. Uh, <laughs> it's still shiny, it's still metallic, but, but uh, not the same. What, what was the song? It's called This Time. This Time. Oh. So, okay, so um, I have a lot of songs from you. How come I don't have that one? I don't know. Okay. Uh, yes, uh, I, uh, I uh, have been uh, talking uh, to uh, your manager, uh, Nick, who, by the way, is uh, really uh, amazing. Uh, uh, he, must have, uh, he must have forgot to send that song. Uh, but tell, us a little bit about, tell us a little bit about uh, Nick and uh, how you, uh, uh, you know, started working with him. Well, Nick was actually, you know, you know I've been in the business now for, for a long time, which is funny to I always feel like I'm trying to make it. And I've had that, that, that same feeling for 20 years. But this has also been my full-time job for, for 20 years. So I think that that, that, that feeling of, of needing to to make it kind of just inspires you to keep working and keep trying. So I've been through all different, all different levels of the business and people working with me from giving local Boston managers to to like big national companies like like ICM and Irving Azoff and Capitol Records and so maybe about three years ago I had left one of my booking agents who had come out of kind of the uh, the kind of you know more uh, just bigger agency scene that you know, I was linked in and I just I decided that that I need to start to, to book myself so I can reconnect with, with with promoters and that kind of thing and kind of figure figure out the business from the ground up and this is maybe four years ago probably. Uh, so I started booking myself and so I figured once I got when I got so busy I just hired somebody new gotcha and and so Nick Nick was one of my one of my opening acts for one of my tours, he's actually a great songwriter in his own right, and and I noticed his schedule was packed full at one point, and so I I called him up and I said, Nick, who who books you? And so he said that, that he booked himself. So I said, Well, do you want to book me too? And then they started booking me, and then then I said. You want to be kind of my one go-to person, so he manages me and, and books me. He's basically my my one guy. So oh. he, he, does, he does everything for me 
except for cook me dinner. So, well, s- <laughs> give him a hello for me and a slap for not sending us that song, okay? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, could you that. could you I sing a couple that. lines of that song for us then? Is that possible? Can, can I sing a few lines? Yeah. Well, I'm sitting in my car right now, so uh, I don't know. All right. I don't have a. I don't have a guitar with me. Okay, all right. I was just hoping. All right. So yeah. why don't we play Answer Me, and then we're going to talk about it. We'll have you talk about this song, okay? Here we go, guys. Okay. All right. All right, now we're going to take some phone calls. Are we on delay? Yeah, we are. Uh, 
so I started I started out the music business. I had a rock band, and we signed to to Capitol Records. And you know, remember that the president of Capitol at that time uh, was Gary Gersh, and he met with us and he sat us down, and so he said, "Well, just to let, let you guys know, you're, you're going to have to tour at least 200 dates a year." So 200 dates a year. So that was basically what, what, what the expectation was at that time if you had a major label deal for how to kind of get your name out there. But but, but with that came came an awareness that, that you know, you, at least my personal life would, would become much different because uh, I would have to let go of kind of consistent, you know, long-term friendships. And back then, there, there, there wasn't... It wasn't as much social media, or or cell phones, or, or, or FaceTime. So, so if I was to talk to people on tour, I'd have to wait in a truck stop at a payphone, and you know, at a motel or a gas station. So, so that that song is basically just talking about the, the isolation that that comes with the road. Because on one, because on one hand, you're kind of living your dream, but the other, the other hand. You're going to have to let go of a lot of things that you leave behind, including a, a consistent home life. Now, I, I've been able, I've been able to, to establish a good mix of, of both now in my solo career, but because I don't, I don't have to tour that much to, to kind of make my living. But back then, it used to, it, it used to be, you know, you know, with a band to, to make money, unless you're, you're hugely a successful band, you have to stay out there all the time. So, so that that song's got kind of harkening back to just, just just like the isolation that comes with any job where where you have to travel. Right. You leave people you leave people you love behind. Well, that was beautifully said. I'm going to have Justin speak, but I do want to say, you know what I think the song would be appropriate to play next? Back home after everything you just said. But we'll have Justin speak to you first about the song oh. we just played. Dustin? All right. Okay. All right. So uh, you are originally from uh, Buffalo, New York. Is that correct? Yeah, I don't brag about it much, but yes. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm always curious about uh, how uh, people uh, usually uh, get started, like, in the business. Um, do you have um, any specific first memory of uh, music, or, like, uh, did you, like, grow up in a musical family, uh, or is there something that, like, you uh, you've only pursued, uh, I mean, uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, like, uh, when music first came into your life. Sure, yeah, well, well, my parents were kind of, they were kind of, uh, songwriter groupies, but, but they loved, like, like, the old country songwriters and, and, like, John Prine, Roger Miller, uh, Willie Nelson, so, so I grew up with that, with that stuff around the house, and I have a very specific memory of, First time that, that I felt that I felt like I, I was a performer. I was a I was a very little kid, maybe maybe nine years old, approximately eight eight or nine. So my parents had a bunch of relatives over, and we had a little staircase that went to upstairs. To we had eight people living in a three bedroom house. Okay. So it was very cramped and very small. But we had all of all my aunts and uncles over. My mom handed me a hairbrush, 
that you said, Chris, lip, you're going to lip sync to this, this, this Tom Jones song. So I stood on in the stoop of in the staircase, you know, I did, you know, I just lip synced to, to Tom Jones. And I think it was like, it's not unusual to be loved by anyone. That, that I song. love it. <laughs> yeah, which is very sexy for a kid to be lip syncing to it. But, but anyway, so, so after the song, all my aunts and uncles tipped me a little money. So they gave me a quarter here, a dime here, a nickel here. He said, my first sense of feeling like you're going to make money from, from performing. Wow. Then later on, and later on, later on, I started singing in, in choral groups in high school. You know, I sang in a barbershop quartet, and then um, then I met a rock and roll band at college where I went to outside of Buffalo. And so that that band moved to Boston, Massachusetts, where I live now. And so that band broke up relatively relatively quickly. We got about a two year run, and then. The rest of the band moved back to Buffalo, you know, I stayed in Boston, and I basically gave up music. But I've been writing songs since I was 13 years old on a consistent basis, and my dad knew that. He said, so he called me once, you know, I started working a real job, and so he said, so Chris, are you still writing songs? And I said, yeah, you know, I'm writing songs basically every day. And maybe I was 26 at this time, and she said, why don't you, you quit your job? and try to make a living off your songs. And uh, so, basically, so basically, I quit my job that, that day, <laughs> and I started playing, I started, I started to play this open mic night across the street from, from my job. And in the host of that the open mic night said, you, you want to feature here sometime. And so when you feature, you get paid in like past the hat tips. And so I think I made 50 bucks in tips, and then suddenly that—that's that, what—that's what ignited the you know, dream in kind of a, a, a tangible way. Because it's kind of a, it kind of instilled a business sense where, where I think anybody who we have some degree of, of talent, the, the challenge is to you have to monetize it, and uh, it, I think that's that's challenging for. For any artist or dreamer who uh, you turn on the other side of that brain, where where you think, well, if I if I, if I paint this painting, if I write this book, what Jerry's written a book, and like, but that's one it's one side of the process. But how do you make money off of it? You know, so so I think that that's going back going back all that the time being paid in tips became a light bulb moment. We're just practically thinking. I think I can make money when I sing. So it's a long answer to a short question, but basically, I grew up music, music around the house. My parents thought that my brother played guitar. So I had another brother who's acting in, sh you know, singing show tunes, and so I get to hear a mix of. You know, one brother playing Jimi Hendrix and the other brother playing McBarbra Streisand. So I had a, a good mix of diff different styles of different music around the house. So I want to say something now. 
that blew my mind that your dad actually said to you, quit your job. Normally they'll say, do it part time until you build up. That was pretty different. Yeah, I'm, I'm super fortunate to realize that as I go through life and to realize more people, not, not, the, not the people that have compromised lives, but a lot of people, you know, just, just, work, for, just work for the weekend, basically. Yeah. And, and so I think my dad's point was that, you know, he was raising six kids. And so I think that he, he didn't have time to ca- kind of assess what his dream was and what would make wow. himself happy. But, but he definitely wanted to see his kids do it. It's so when he said that, and, and, and I'm very lucky to, to have had that endorsement to go do it. But yeah, the opposite pressure of, you know, most people's, you know, most people's parents kind of you tell them to get real and get, kind of get, get a real <laughs> job or go, go to law school and yeah. uh, be, become, be, like, become a doctor. And I, I had, if I had, had called my parents and said, you know, you're thinking of going to law school, they would have said, you know, why? Like, like why? I love why it. Do that? <laughs> I love it. So very much the the opposite. And so I got to repay them a few years later when I signed when I signed a movie deal to for something about Mary, which was a movie that had my song in it. I got to buy my parents a house, which was a true which was a true kind of repayment for the, their support over the years. Wow. I definitely have a, like a follow up question, like or right after we another well, song. Yeah, let's play. Let's play another song first. But that is amazing. I have to just comment on that. Did you just hear what he said, Justin? He got to buy his family, his parents, a house. Uh, yes, I, that's I, pretty I have, cool. Uh, I, I, I have mad respect, like for people like who who don't give up, like on uh, what they love to do. I mean, like amazing. Uh, you know, just to do this full time, no matter what. Like, I'm like. That is amazing. Well, now listen. Right. I have I have even more respect for you. Let me tell you something, Chris. That's amazing. I love it. You know, I should you know, I should throw a little caveat that, that that I bought the house in Buffalo, where a house is basically the price of a car. I so. don't care. You don't have to say that part. <laughs> it doesn't matter because that's like buying your parents a beautiful car. Like not many people do that. Yeah. So what you did yeah. was incredible, man. I I. I respect you even more. And I, I'm going to say something. Um, your family, kudos to them as well. So there you go. Now let's play. Back home. Here we go, guys. Be my lover Until the end of summer Meet me somewhere Where there's fire on the highway I'll unpack my suitcase All these things that I regret You pick out an old shirt And say I haven't worn it yet Not yet shelter when you're running from the thunder when you feel you're getting nowhere 
dancing with your shadow Tell us about that. Well, that's all. Is when I did this record, this this last this last record that you're playing to us from Coldwater Waltz. I did most of the record. It's basically me and one guitar, and I sent the tracks to this other guy, Matt Beck, who plays for Rob Thomas and Matt Sparks Plenty. And then, so those songs are really kind of folk, very very heavy-hearted and serious and. Then I did three happy songs, all of which I recorded with a guy in Boston. Um, they were full production, like drums, bass, everything, but like guitar. So that's one of the the kind of few happy songs off the record. Now, it's originally uh, meant to talk about kind of second chance romance. So, you know, at my age, I meet a lot of people who have been through one divorce and they're starting fresh again. And and a consistent theme of, of that is people finding that their true partner kind of the second time around and that they like they finally found that once you know what you don't want then you know what you do want so um, so that was basically just song about finding your your real home when you're when you're kind of lost looking for it beautifully said Justin you have a question yes so uh I wanted to uh, follow up uh, with um, uh, what we were talking about before. Um, so uh, 
you like I like like I said before, I have mad respect for you for doing this full time. And most of uh, like the, the the other artists that like the, you know I uh, talk to, uh, like they don't really have the courage to even go that. I mean, they're always working part time. I mean, like uh, I mean, like it's like uh, you know like you like this, uh, had any like a side work at the time, or like did you like uh, maybe uh, find uh, the right certain people and like you like maybe got lucky or something? Like tell us like how that came about. So when I. So my dad and I had that that the phone the phone conversation. He called me my job. I, I was working as a purchaser at, at a very fancy hotel in Boston, and um, it's and so when I left that that job, I kind of realized that I, I would have to have a job that was less demanding. So I started waiting tables at, at a cafe. It was like kind of a hipster coffee shop, but it was kind of like. But the Whole Foods, like before Whole Foods existed, so they they sold healthy foods and sandwiches and smoothies and fresh juice and that, that kind of stuff. So that, that that was my job. And so, as I played gigs, you know, started to tour, that job would let me t- take a week off here and a couple weeks off here. Stuff that that I couldn't do at a in a regular job, like so. And also the owners of the cafe were very, very empathetic t- towards artists. So they would let you go and leave for, for two weeks, three weeks, whatever, and you would get back. You still you still have a job. So the drummer of my band wor- worked there, worked at the same place also. And so, wh- so when we started out, we, we would just, uh, I have to say that I don't think I got lucky, but I think at that time I, I was obsessed just playing as much as I possibly could and taking any gigs I could possibly get. And then and gradually my name just, just got out there. And uh, and also, I guess, um, I think just, uh, you know, looking back, I would have, I would have, should have, could have, but I had some kind of business plan where I, where I planned stuff out. I could could probably save maybe a, a couple years of, of mistakes, but at the same time, you know, you're making a living on playing guitar and singing. There's no guidebook for it, and, and it's it's also kind of, it's constantly changing because you, you have to adapt to technological changes and and uh, you know my first you know, my first record came out in 1996 with, with the Push Stars, and that actually came out on. But it was the last year that they made cassettes, but but, but I still had, had a box of maybe 300 cassettes down in my basement. And uh, so then, I think the thing adaptable to the changes in technology and even sounds and, and recording styles and all, all that kind of stuff. But, I, you know, I don't think I've gotten any big break yet, but in a certain way that that sustained me because I've had a career for so long. Yeah. And when I used to, you know, when I used to, my, my first label was an indie label that, that there was a huge 80s band that signed to it also. Okay. And this band, this band had one hit. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to mention them because it's kind of a sad story, but, but we went to see this, this band play 
and after they played their one hit, the, the whole crowd kind of left and got disinterested and talked. So I've had the benefit of a really, really die, diehard fan base, very small, like I, I describe it as boutique but very supportive. And I can go anywhere and play any song. I don't have any any real like like expected songs like to play aside for maybe a couple minutes. Maybe like the August Rush tune and do a couple other ones, but uh, but people 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 favor you know different songs. So so I think my career is is going exactly how it should go, and and it hasn't been one defining break where you can look at me and, and say this is when I got uh, I got successful because the like the interesting thing you know, I think I, I mentioned this at the start of this interview was that. I've been afraid every year that this would be my my last year be, being able to to live off performance. You know, it was maybe four or five years ago that, that I looked back and kind of realized that I've had that same fear for so long that I'm going to have to get a different job to supplement my income, or I'm going to have to teach guitar lessons. Not, not that that's bad or you know, anything, but but just that it's not what I wanted to to do. And then at the same time, I, I kind of let go of that fear maybe five years ago, four, four years ago, because it just occurred to me that I've had that, that same fear for so long, and I'm still, I was still doing, I'm still here, and I'm still paying the bills. So, I don't know if that even answered your question, but, but no. You know, well, well, yeah, well, listen. Anything that we can do to help you, like, uh, like we definitely, like. Uh, We'll, we'll do our best. I, I am a total believer that um, anyone can uh, like uh, um, go go to or be anything that they want to. Um, uh, yeah, but uh, and I totally believe that like uh, the independent uh, music world should definitely be in the mainstream. And uh, you know uh, these other people like uh, that has ever heard of. Um, they want to be like everyone else, and I totally am a believer that like that they can be like where everyone else is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I always feel very blessed because I, I know, I know what the amazing thing it is that I've made a living from playing guitar for so long. It, 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 to me, it still baffles me that I can do it, and and I never, I never take it for granted. Like that, that you know, and I think also that having worked some some real jobs I, I have a good perspective on you know, how lucky it is when you're able to show up and sing for people and, and get paid for it and, and it still baffles me in the best possible way alright very cool I loved how you answered that though I mean I love the way you explain things and, and what stuff means to you and I just love it um, alright very cool I do so let's play Cathedral Bells. Here we go, guys. the gray and cancel all your plans today cause you might not be coming back and no 
Though you built this house in heaven's hands And a steel fence strong as ten commands You still roll your road to freedom Until her engines squeal We'll stay on top forever But they say life is no amusement park So before we stroll home after dark We roll one more ride around Stand above and look just want to give some people a shout out we've had people popping in and out of the chat room and i've got people online messaging me that are listening but babalu i gotta give him the first shout out of course because he's always front and center he's my sound guy and he always is just so awesome he's the first one always in chat a shout out to china ina karen levy yes um a shout out to ashley she just entered we had Dennis Scott from Dennis Scott Music. He was in there. He's listening. He had to pop out of the chat, though. We've got Michael Wayne Dill, who's also an incredible musician. He's listening. And him and his honey, and they say hello to you. They're huge fans as well. We've got 
Mr. Blue Sky from London. He was in chat. He's now listening. We've got Anthony from the United Kingdom. Ellie Shaw from Ireland. We've got Tom from Ireland. We've got a couple of friends now of mine from Nigeria listening. Limpy from Australia. AJ from Australia. And we've got Shirley from Hong Kong. It's 2.40 in the morning there. Go to sleep, girlfriend. So I just want to say, and we had Sam the Golden Oldies Man. He's an incredible DJ on RTR as well. He popped in the chat room, so he's listening. So I just wanted to say hello to everyone listening, and I want to give a shout-out, of course, to the owners, Steve and Angel of RTR, Remember Then Radio, and I thank them so much for this incredible platform. So, you know, you have a lot of, I'm going to say the word fans. I'm okay with that. A lot of fans, you know. Um, Tell us about Cathedral Bells because I love the song. Cool. Well, uh, that was a song that, that that I wrote a long time ago. When I was a much younger guy, and I it's a background I had no no real outlet for it, so, so I wrote it and kind of tucked it in, into a drawer. And it's then as I was making my newest record, I was kind of listening through some old demos and. And that song came on, and I remembered that the reason why I never kind of like when I stopped playing it was because it, it it felt too dark or too not dark, but it felt but it felt kind of like apocalyptic or something. It felt like it was. It, I didn't really understand what it, it was talking about because back then, you know, I used to write completely subconsciously, so. So I think that uh, I think that I thought it would fit with the times of the past eighteen months, where mm. you know I remember at the start of COVID that, that it, it felt very eerie. Yeah. Where it felt just you know nobody knew what, what would happen, and it felt apocalyptic, and it felt like that just nobody knew what was happening. So I think that that that's why I broke that that song out. And I thought that, that it felt like it, it was talking about something uh, larger than just normal everyday life. Like, like we're talking about, you know, what, what kind of coffee I'm drinking, or whatever. It, it, it felt like it was talking about like bigger issues. Even though I don't necessarily, you still know what I was talking about back then, but it just felt like it fit the time of, of a global pandemic or whatever it was. So, so I think that. That's why I broke it back out, and and then yeah, I like singing it too because it's it's super simple. The whole song has maybe three like three chords in it that, that just repeat over and over again. Which I think, which I think, as a songwriter, the simpler you can get, it always feels like like a successful thing because you can get the message out in, in simpler terms. Even if it's a little, even if it's a little kind of eccentric, but like the message, um, it still feels good musically to have such a simple, such a simple piece of music. Well, I want to say something to you because you should go through all the songs you've written in your past, because I bet they would resonate more than you even think. Yeah, that'd be interesting. To, to do. I mean, yeah, it's always a thing where. You want to be as current as possible to, to the person you are, but I like to pay respect to, to the fact that 
at one point, you know, when I wrote that song, I wasn't writing for any reason in, in particular. I wasn't writing because it was my job. I was writing just because it's something it's something I love doing. So I think that that's uh, I think that that counts for something. It does. The fact that you're doing it, you're strong out of love. Because I think that, that it's it's still it's still the same process now. But at least I know nowadays that if, if I write something and put it out that there be some people, some people interested, at least. Yes, I absolutely then, agree. Back then, you might have been three or four people. Right. So. Wow, I agree. Beautifully said. Justin, we're going to play another song before you ask him any more questions, because I think it's appropriate. Let's play Clear. I love this one as well. Here we go.
Justin, take the mic. Sure. Uh, that, that's a song. This is a song I co-wrote with Rob Thomas uh, from Matchbox Twenty. And basically, what, what happened was I had I, I think I'd done a show with with Chris Isaac, and, and so I became fascinated you know, with, with his catalog. And you know, I remember that the song "Wicked Game" had kind of a real sexiness to, to it. So. I think I was tr trying to write my own version of, uh, of a sexy, kind of darker, smoky love song where there was some resilience to it and that the, the person realizes they, they might be better off without the person okay. that they were, that they got dumped by. And so I sent, I sent my original version to Rob and then, and it was really kind of incomplete. It's just those two, two verses, and then it's just this high part where, where I think I sang something like Ooh or Ah. And so Rob wrote me back and said, Do you, you mind if I write something to, to this song and, and expand on it? So then he sent, he sent it back to me, and that was the, like the whole song. So he, he basically wrote about half the song. So Very cool. Justin, I know you're, yeah. you're dying to say something. Yeah, well, now I'm really dying to say this like, <laughs> after, after what you just said. Like, uh, yes. we're going to rewind for a second, okay? Yes. Rob Thomas? Yes. Like, the Rob Thomas from Xbox 20? Yes. <laughs> the Rob Thomas, yes. He's, he's breathless right now. He's breathless, okay? He didn't know that. Yeah, because, I mean, I grew up, I mean, uh, I mean, like, I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't say, like, I'm, uh, like, a super mega fan, but, I mean, like, I did grow up uh, on listening to uh, a couple of his songs. Yeah. I actually, so, so my band, my band, we opened for Matchbox in probably 2005, and then, you know, Rob and I uh, kind of stayed friends since then, and he sings on one of my records, uh, Records called Few and Far Between, and that, that song is called. It's based on what, what it's called, but I know what, I know it's on that, that record. But anyway, so Rob and I, uh, we've stayed friends, and then then I opened for for, for his tour in in 2019 over the summer, and then we hadn't really written songs t together yet. And then this this past year, we've done a lot of co-writing together, so. So um, he he's just a joy, a joyful person. He's a wonderful person, uh, like across the board. He's nicer than most people who are much less famous than he is, and uh, he's he's just he works hard at kind of kind of staying grounded and just realizing where where he fits in society. And it's anybody really famous has to work to. To, to kind of stay humble and, and, and cool. And I think, you know, I think that he works very hard at it. But does a very, just, just a great job of treating. Like I remember back to touring with, with Matchbox back in the day, and, and you know, we were, we were doing like 16,000 seat places every night, and they were all packed. And, you know, I just would, would observe Rob how he talked to his crew, how he talked to basically anybody who couldn't help him at all, 
or couldn't further his career. And he treated everybody with with great respect and great great appreciation and gratitude. And so so that was so he's always been a really inspiring person for me, on both an, an artistic level and a personal level. And the funny thing is too is that I hear him basically every day, whether it be at, at a hardware store like. I was shopping at, at at a hardware store a couple weeks ago, and a song came on. You know, sent him a little video of me, you know, listening to him. He just texted me back, and he said, "I'm big in hardware." <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, I, I am tripping right now. I, I am so tripping. <laughs> yeah, and, and, yeah, and like, a, and like. A, uh, my mom actually like uh, just uh, bursted in like uh, she said like I like I am a super mega fan. I mean I may not be the biggest Rob Thomas fan, like but my mom like definitely. Your mom is right. Yeah. But that's a point. But what's funny is that um, on Rob's tour, in 2019, all of the fans were moms and and their children. His moms were maybe 50 and the kids were maybe you know 25. So. So he spanned a generation. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, I, I mean, like, and I just, like, I, I just, I don't know. I'm so tripping right now. I mean, like, I have, like, a song, like, uh, just, like, uh, like, in my head, like, I, like, I don't want to be lonely no more. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, very yeah. cool. Yeah. Right. So let's play Under Blue I'll Stars. I'm like I'm sorry, what was that? I'm going to play Under Blue Stars now. Here we go, guys. Still I was worrying about my life I was always outside Finding places to hide Since the day I realized That I could never break up your fights And all will be forgiven If we all just keep on sinning So then into the dark Into the dark we'll go When I left your town I always kept my head down Still I could barely pay my rent But I would always call home And ask you how are things going And if you got a laugh out of the funny birthday card I sent And all will be forgiven If we keep our secrets hidden Into the dark, into the dark we'll go We'll go into the shadows On a boat without a paddle And hope that it
hotel Holding on to the memories of all the things that I let go I still see you waving at me from the driveway And I still feel your love even though you left so long ago And all will be forgiven if we all just keep on living Into the dark, into the dark we'll go I love that song as well. You want to talk about it? Sure. Well, you 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 have some expertise in in this area. Uh, that's basically a song about addiction, and uh, you know, I come from a long line of alcoholics okay. in my family, and and that's one drug among many that 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 are used. Okay, they have been used and abused in my family, so. That song's basically just just about kind of living living between kind of secrets of addiction and the and and the uh, potential exposure of it and and so I think that um, you know I was writing maybe I just have a I just had a conversation over the phone with a family member who was going through a particularly hard time because of drugs. And so I wrote that, that song right after the phone call because I was in a situation where, you know, I've been trying to help him for, for a long time. And if you recognize the, the futility of not being able to, to help somebody if they can't help themselves or don't want to help, them, help themselves. And so I think that that's where that, that song came from. But my parents, uh, you know, it's, it's funny because when I was younger, really had a lot of anger towards their drinking until I got to know them better as as a grown-up and then I heard their stories of how they grew up and how my mother had had gotten beaten by by her father yes you know my father and my father had had been orphaned by his parents and but they they had these these intensely like brutal childhoods, so they they did the best that they could to, to make our childhood better. But then they also fell into to the same traps of alcohol to self medicate, and, and so that's been a big part of my family and my siblings and, and myself and my band. And there've been lots lots of dealings with, with addiction, but you're never an expert on it, though. It's, I want to share something with you. It's appropriate time. And then I think I'm also going to read a poem out of my book based on what you just said. I wasn't going to do that, and I just grabbed it. Um, A lot of my listeners have heard this before. Some may have not, but I want to share this with you in particular. Um, My mom's family, they were all 
uh, my mother wasn't an addict, but my mother was severely damaged mentally because of her abuse. And I didn't find that out until later on in life. Everyone in my mother's family, sickness, disease, alcoholism, jail, drugs. I'm not kidding you. Um, and the cousin of mine just buried her 29 year old son last week from it as well. Okay. So having said all that, yep. Horrible. I pretty much had a very good childhood because of my dad. Um, he was one of the greatest fathers ever. Thank you God for that. But the reason I started doing drugs was I was touched by a neighbor. I was 14 years old, but he was in his late twenties. Um, and I'm saying this for a reason, guys, I did not look like a 14 year old. And there's a reason you'll understand why I'm saying that. So I knew I couldn't tell my father and my father would have killed him with his bare hands. And that's the truth. Italian big guy, no way. But I knew I had to tell someone and I did tell a family member and my uncle and he let him know we knew they were moving away in a couple of weeks anyway. And he said, you're lucky you're moving away. But here's what happened to me. I was a tough kid. I, w I was born and raised in New York, grew up in, in New Jersey, um, but born and raised in New York. I was a tough kid, but I grew up always thinking, did I do the right thing? We didn't even tell his wife. Um, did I let a child molester go? And I'm going to tell you how good God is because at 57 years old, I didn't know they were going to be at a family function. And he touched me at this family function and I was 57. He was in his, he was almost 80. I laughed in his face and I looked up and I said, thank you, God. You just made me realize I did not let a child molester go. And that's why I prefaced that I didn't look like I was a kid. And he was only in his late twenties. He was just a pig. So God freed me of that at 57 years old. And yes, but that was my reasoning for doing drugs. So I'm, I just turned 60 and I stopped. I changed my life at 30. So I'm going to read this poem out there in hopes that someone struggling, even family members, I am a nutritional health coach. Now I'm a recovery coach. Guys, my services to you are free. If you know anyone who needs them, please reach out to me. I have a new website now www.jerrypetito.com. I will never charge you a cent to help you. Here's a poem out of my book. I'm not an addict. I'm just an ass. I'd rather be a smart ass than a dumbass. because guys, I was a dumbass. but July 27th this month, I will be celebrating 30 years of being a smart ass. Here we go. Change your choice. I had a life-changing moment that I knew had to be. The only way to change things was to first start with me. So I looked in the mirror and woke up one day and thought to myself I needed to pray. So I asked God to change me, to help me stay strong, to clean up my mess, to right what's been wrong. I cleaned up my diet, I cleaned up my room, I cleaned up all habits with this old dirty broom. I kept going forward and never looked back. I refused to derail, stayed on the right track. I realized my worth and all that did matter through my selfish behavior, the lives I had shattered. I finally decided at 30 years old to stop abusing my body, my mind, heart, and soul. My life-changing choice that I had once made, almost 30 years now, guys, my debt has been paid. So you read all my thoughts on how to stay clean. It's all or nothing, my friend. There's no in-between. To live or to die is a choice you must make. Your life is not worthless and you're not a mistake. One day at a time is a slogan you've heard. It works if you work it while applying his word. 
For you to get healthy, for your mind not to fail, escaping reality will keep you in jail. With addictive behavior, sex, drugs, food, or money, substituting addictions. Now, isn't that funny? I'm not an addict. This too shall pass. I'm not an addict. I'm just an ass. May the good Lord bless and guide all of you. And I want you to understand two things here. No one is powerless, not over anything. And don't let them brainwash you into believing it. And it is not a disease. It is a dis-ease of the brain cells while using, which can be altered and your brain cells can be healed like mine were so i give all the glory to god i just had to say that to everyone out there listening so that's beautiful jerry there you go jerry. chris i never get tired of hearing that poem jerry it, you know um that's that's the main poem in my book i've got many poems um in the book but that's the main one because it makes people understand that they're not powerless and they were not a mistake. And that's the biggest, biggest thing you can teach an addict and it will give them hope. Taking a midnight walk by Starlight Creek She lit a cigarette and turned to Tell me the mystery that happened there As the whistling wind blew through our hair Kids were driving home Passing the bottle in the backseat They drove right into Starlight Creek Well, the road is not so far from our dreams And uphill's not so Be my 
myself silly till everybody knows I climb up out of this hole inside just to show I'm alive. should become a speaker, a public speaker at school for kids. Yeah, you ever thought about that? Amazing. You ever thought about a public speaker? I say yes. You know, I do a lot of talking at you know, my live shows. I do a lot of uh, conversational stuff, storytelling, and, and I kind of introduce the songs. I try and add a context to it to, to make it interesting. Someone has to see me before, kind of, kind of rather than just getting up there and playing a bunch of songs, I try and, I try and, I try and talk about the stories behind the, the, the songs, not, not, not in a kind of canned, like canned way, but in a real way, which is that this is what I was trying to get, get across to the right. people, so. Amazing. Justin, what would you like to say? 
Yeah, it's totally amazing. All right. So um, let's get uh, back into a topic uh, that I'm pretty sure um, all the fans out there are listening uh, uh, are dying to hear, including myself. Um, let's talk a little bit more about uh, your uh, TV and film credit. Okay, so August Rush. I have uh, I have heard of the movie, but I have not uh, seen the entire movie, which, like, I am totally ashamed of right now. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, like, uh, how uh, you uh, were able to do that. Like, did someone offer you the job, or uh, did you come across some soundtrack came about was the music supervisor working on it had, had worked with me on the, there's something about Mary in a couple in a couple different movies and so she contacted me w- one day and said Chris there, there's, there's a song we need for one scene that, that we've sent it we've sent the script to but the your copy had a couple a couple heavy hitter songwriters and they're and so they they didn't know it. They, they didn't capture it. So could could you take a crack at it? So and so I always read stuff for, for various films, and if you get one that, that sticks, it, it becomes like a very good residual thing to, to like to have as a songwriter. So so when I read the the script, and it kind of talked about a middle aged guy who had just left his band, and was going through emotional things, and and honestly. I totally related to to the scene and the character, so I went in my backyard. It was a summer day, and I wrote the song in, in ten minutes, and I sent it in, and it and it became the was the most lucrative kind of ten minutes that, that I've ever spent in my life because it, it because the song it did so well. But right after I sent it in, I I got a call from the head of Warner Brothers and the head of you know films film's director and they were saying how, how perfect the song was so so that was how th- that that happened and uh and basically kind of with film and tv stuff it, it just happens like but i've always toured los angeles and played there you know a couple times every year and so that's been a good way to just kind of maintain the maintainment your friendships and relationships with people who work in film and TV and stuff. Not that I do it with any any intention, but but just that it's it's been a way to. I mean, like I remember when I started playing, like I knew touring would, would be a big part of my my whole game plan. Just 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 because like it's a way to stay fresh in people's minds. So it's a yeah, tour everywhere. Wow, very good. Basis, so very cool. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. I'm looking at like uh, like uh, your bio and like uh, I, you 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 got a lot you got a lot of stuff going yep. on. Uh, Devil Wears Prada, Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah. Uh, yep. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So let's play Cold Water Waltz because I really want to hear about this. <laughs> Here we go, guys. Okay, 
beautiful. So I think that's gorgeous. The name is a little odd to me. Tell me why you named it Cold Water Waltz. Well, because it's, I just like to say, I, I have a lyric, um, it's, it's actually, I'm pulling a lyric from, from an older song of mine that uh, the, the cold water waltz beneath my feet. And so basically, that, that song was about somebody who's longing for somebody across the seas. Oh. And, uh, and so cold, cold water waltz, just to, to me, it meant that, that you kind of, you kind of, uh, you symbolically, you dance in, in the cold water. In other words, life is painful, mm. but you dance in it. <gasps> you make the, you make the best of it, and you you find the best. So, so you you try and find joy. You try and find joy amongst the wreckage. Wow. Way. I love That's that. I, I, I really love how you like put a lot of like thought and uh, like you know thinking into these songs. Like I, I mean, like I like you're like kind of an out of the box thinker. Oh, thank you. Wow. I love the way you put that. Now I now I love it even more. Absolutely beautiful. And so, like, so, you know, basically I put an instrumental at, at the end of each of my solo records, and uh, a friend of mine always describes them, he calls it spa music, like, because yeah. it sounds like something, it sounds like something you, you might hear at, at, at the spa, but, but um, I play piano, but, very very poorly but I love playing it so, so I can't write much on it but but I can write little kind of instrumental melodies and you see, that's why I do it and uh, that's, that's where the title came from just just kind of making the best uh, through, uh, through hard times which I think which I think also at the start at the start of COVID or whatever uh, I kind of set my mindset you know, I think a lot of people did to just make the best of it. Amazing. You find the joy in it. Amazing. You find the joy in it. Yeah, so that's that's where that, that title came Beautiful. from. Beautiful. Now I love it more. I love the music, and I said, oh, I just really wondered why he named it that and beautifully said, and thank you for that. Very encouraging. Oh. Now let's play your final song I have, Out of the Limelight. And then, then, yeah, here we go. And then you'll be able to talk about whatever else you want, give your info, all that great stuff. But let's play this because this is beautiful as well. How the hell I tell my friends that I'm never coming back to Austin? What in the world will I tell my band if I'm never coming back to play? I could say success got in the way. 
Why don't you um, say whatever else you would like to say at this point? Um, and if you have any other questions, now's the time, sweetheart. All right. All right. So, um, so yeah, we want to give you a chance to uh, promote uh, anything that you got coming on, any live streams, any shows, uh, any new projects, any tours. Uh, like, if you want to like promote your website, your socials, uh, the floors yours, my man. Sure. Uh, you basically find everything about me at christrapper.com. And as far as far as touring goes, I think the music business and the live concert business is just coming out of hibernation now. So I'm getting certain things, and I think the fall gets busier. Then 
then by winter time, I'm going out on a long tour with Alan Doyle, who's from Newfoundland, Canada. He's a great songwriter from there, who had a band called Great Big C, who I did some writing with a long time ago, and he had success with, with them. Uh, they helped them write the, their, their biggest hit song that they had. And uh, so we've been, we've been friends a long time, so I'm doing that, that tour, which I think I think it goes to maybe 60 cities or approximately 60 cities, and that's pretty great fun. And that that starts, I think, it starts in January. So, but, but yeah, just just uh, ChrisTrapper.com. But I, I have a you know Instagram page and Facebook pages, and I think I think I still have a MySpace page somewhere out there. Anybody's still on MySpace, which probably nobody is, but yeah. I still like to talk about it. Just just. For nostalgia purposes. Yeah, but you need the blue check mark. That's what you need. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Very cool. Justin, tell everyone how they can find you. All right. Well, first off, I just wanted to say a couple things. Uh, thank you, uh, as always, Jerry, for uh, continuing uh, to allow me to co-host on your shows. Thank you to Chris, uh, like for uh, being an amazing guest and uh, sharing an incredible story. I want to say thank you to uh, Chris's manager, Nick, uh, for helping me uh, set this up. And uh, most importantly, I want to thank all the fans out there listening. Because like I said, we are absolutely nothing without you. Um, and if you are interested in uh, being a guest, uh, or if you want to do some work, or if you just want to say hello, uh, my email is justdrum1997 at gmail.com. That's J-U-S-T-D-R-U-M. 1997 at gmail.com and I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Well, I want to say my thank yous to both of you. I want to say thank you to everyone listening first and foremost and again to RTR for this incredible platform. Um, Justin, of course, always a pleasure. You, you always bring it. Thank you. Thank you so much. You did an incredible job today and once again brought me an incredible guest. So I want to say thank you to you for that. Okay? Yeah, thanks, Justin. And yeah. You know, I want to say thank you to you, Chris, because not only did I love the songs that I played prior to this interview, I loved everything you represent now. I loved everything you said about the songs, and I love everything you represent now. I think you are an incredible human being, and what you're doing is incredibly inspiring and motivational and out there to help others. So I love you for that. Um you know, Thank you're, you're awesome. Thanks, Jared. Thanks for talking with me and thanks for having a great platform for my tunes too. And, and your story is also inspiring and, and yeah, I'm super, super grateful for it. So thank you. Amazing. So guys, we're going to close out with my theme song. Here we go. An incredible, incredible show guys. Ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Petito. Jerry Petito taught the class. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. Loves the answer, the greener grass. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. One day at a time, free at last. When you don't know just what to do. Just what to do, just what to do. If what you're feeling is really true. It's really true, is it really true? Just keep your ideas safe and sound. Safe and sound, safe and sound. That's exactly how change is found. Change is found, change is found. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. And in time, this too shall pass. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. J 
Jerry Petito taught the class. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. Love's the answer, the greener grass. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. One day at a time, free at last. 